So on st- the new Star Trek, whatever, Star Trek Discovery, I have to pull this picture up. They cast Stacey Abrams as the president of the universe. Like, <laughs> she actually made a cameo in the Star Trek show, like whatever it was, six months ago, as literally the president of the entire universe. So, <laughs> like, what? Okay, this this will be the moment of yep. the show that goes right before the introduction. Everybody. back to Conversations with the Calvinist. My name is Keith Foskey and I am a Calvinist. And tonight I am joined by my good friend and not yet Calvinist, Matthew Henson. Good evening, Matthew. How are you? I am good. And I would like to make the preemptive strike that ladies and gentlemen, tonight we are talking about election, but yes, not that one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I, I put in the advertisement for tonight's show that people say all Calvinists ever want to talk about is election. And I said, well, tonight we're going to prove them right, because what we're going to be doing uh, for the next little while is we're going to be talking about the subject of election, but not biblical election, not the doctrine of election, not where Matthew and I would differ on the subject of election, but rather we're going to be talking about the 2022 midterm elections. Yes, those things that are filling up your computer and television screens today. The mm-hmm. question of whether or not uh, this one or that one are going to be put into this seat or that seat or whether these constitutional amendments for different states are going to be going into effect. All of those big questions are questions that are on everyone's mind. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. And I'm very thankful to be joined by Matthew because he is the resident nerd when it comes to yes. all things politics. He has, he has outside of the scripture, he has two areas of life that I know that he is very, very well versed in. One is in the weather. So mm-hmm. later on the show, I may just ask him if we have any real worries about this week, because there is a weather phenomenon. Tropical storm uh, Nicole is definitely worth chatting about. Yes. Yeah, we can talk about that in a, a little while. In fact, the elders uh, just had a conversation. We were we had our elders meeting tonight, uh, our phone meeting. We talked about whether or not we even uh, maybe need to consider whether or not service should happen tomorrow night because of high winds right. and things like that. So I'm going to ask you about that a little bit later. But the other thing we're talking about tonight, of course, is the elections. And Mm -hmm. uh, I noticed right before we signed on tonight that it looks like that Governor DeSantis Mm -hmm. uh, has officially won the Florida uh, gubernatorial race uh, for a second term. Yes. So tell us your thoughts on that, my friend. Yeah. So Florida is, he has indeed uh, been declared the winner. And again, this is, we get a little bit funny with our terminology here. When we say a race has been called, what that means is that a major media organization using a variety of models, looking at how much vote has been reported versus how much remains outstanding. They're doing a statistical model and saying, based upon how much vote is outstanding, you know, say, it would have to go for, in this case, Charlie Crist by this percentage in order for him to get a majority. And so when we say someone is called a race, technically speaking, a race is not officially certified until a secretary of state or something days and days later looks at all the results and stamps them and all that kind of thing. And the military ballots from overseas that by law have like a week to get here. They Anyway, but yes, in all, it, it, Governor Ron DeSantis has won a second term. Um he has done something that um, 
that I don't think any other governor uh, candidate has done in Florida. It appears he will be winning the state of Florida by approximately 20 percentage points. And that is a that's not a walk off home run. Um, that is cracking a home run out of Wrigley Field and having it land in Fenway Park. Um, it is just <laughs> crossing state lines to where the federal government gets involved. It's that amount of a um, of a walk off win. Um, Governor DeSantis won in 2018 by 0.4 percentage points uh, by 33,000 votes. And our brains don't do numbers that well. But but here's if you take some zeros off of it. Governor DeSantis won, I think it's 407 votes, and Andrew Gillum won 404. That's the margin. That's what you're talking about. Uh, this time, he has defeated Charlie Crist by a margin that is so big, I don't even know, and I'm actually looking at it now. I think you'd have to go back to Lawton Childs um, in 19... No, he, even Lawton Childs did not get that kind of margin against uh, Martinez. Uh, I don't know. I, I was not... I'd already planned it out because I was expecting DeSantis to win by between eight and 10 um, because Florida is just not very swingy. Florida is the kind of state that that really sits within that just a couple of points here or there since like 2000. But Ron DeSantis has blown it completely wide open. It's the biggest blowout win of the night, and it surprised even the more optimistic ones like myself. Well, let me ask you a question. Um, yeah. And I know this isn't you said something earlier and I want to, I kind of want to go back. Uh, well, you said sure. a lot. So, so I'm going <laughs> to ask if you, cause I, I, I said this when we were planning the show today, I said, I'm going to be the, uh, the, what does that mean guy? Because that's <laughs> because when it comes to this kind of stuff, that's me. Mm -hmm. Uh, if we're talking about, uh, the Bible church history, things like that, I I'm a little bit more, uh, educated, but of course, when it comes yeah. to these things, this is why I have friends like you, because I can ask questions. In fact, uh, today when I went to vote, I was thinking, I don't, I, I really, uh, I don't know as much as I should. And, uh, -huh. uh I had a friend, um, uh, Steven, who's out there, he knows who he is. Uh, Steven is one of my friends who like you keeps up to date with all these things, kind of keeps me in the know. And I'm thankful for friends like that, who can, uh, who can sort of weed through all the, all the stuff. But when you say, um, when you say that there is, um, you know, percentage points where, mm -hmm. you know, they, they, they call it, has there, has there ever been, and I'm thinking back to the last presidential race, is there, has there ever been a time when it was called for one and then later it was shown that that was incorrect? And, and how often does that happen? Very, very, very rarely. So what a, what a news organization will do when they quote unquote call a race is again, they're looking at the amount of outstanding vote and they're running statistical models on it to say, you know, what percentage of the vote would the, would the opposing candidate require in order to win? Now, um, there was an infamous case in 2020 of Fox News calling Arizona for Joe Biden way, way too early. I think it was either on election night or like wee hours of the morning or something. And the thing, the way Arizona counted their ballots, um, curiously, in Arizona, Republican voters tend to vote um, by mail and absentee in higher proportions in Arizona, and those ballots take several days to count. Now, it shouldn't be that way, but that's just the way that it is. And so what it means is that if a Democrat wins the election day vote by, say, two, three percentage points, it's very likely that in subsequent days, Republican votes will be counted and will overcome that margin. So Fox News called Arizona for Joe Biden. Joe Biden ended up winning Arizona, I think, by like a half a percentage point. 
and it was a drastically uh, uh, early call, um, and they were they were preparing a statement to retract the call. Um, now they didn't end up having to do so. The other famous example would be CNN calling Florida for Al Gore in 2000. Now we all know how that one went because <laughs> the infamous were... hanging chads. Correct. Yeah. Now yeah. there were, and that crosses into my other really area of interest, which is the Supreme Court. And in that case, people have this idea, and I'll limit myself to one minute on this. People have this idea that the Supreme Court decided the 2000 election. It's not true. What happened was that Florida had counted all of its votes. There were the hanging chads, which is these little punch outs on the pieces of paper that were not punched out completely. So the machines had errors reading them. The Al Gore campaign requested a recount in four heavy Democratic counties and their county um, uh, election administrators agreed to do so. The Bush, uh, the Bush campaign sued, saying that's not fair. If you're going to do a hand recount and verify, you need to do it in all of the counties because otherwise it's not fair. So it bickered back and forth. The United States Supreme Court took it, and what they said was it's, it is prejud prejudicial against Republican voters to give their ballots an unequal amount of scrutiny as you would Democratic votes. In other words, Democratic ballots were being caught in this net and corrected, whereas Republican votes weren't. The Supreme Court said that violates the 14th Amendment by seven to two vote. They said this. It was not close. They were five, four on what to do about it. And what they said to do about it was Florida certify your results for election day and just we'll just go with those. And then George Bush won and subsequent George W. Bush won. Subsequent investigations by various newspapers have found that even had they done the hand recount in all the counties, Bush still would have won. So, uh, yeah. But, yes, yeah, CNN called it for Al Gore and they were wrong. They had to retract the call. All right. Well, I I I know how I feel about uh, getting back to the Ron DeSantis uh, conversation that we were having a minute ago. I know that I'm mm -hmm. very happy. I feel like Governor DeSantis did us well, especially during the COVID situation. I mean, we the, there are no one was perfect. There were there were mistakes made by everyone, and there were there early on no one knew what to do. Churches, uh, businesses, a lot of people didn't know what to do. But when it came down to brass tacks, it seems like DeSantis was uh, willing to keep the state open, keep churches open, keep uh, businesses uh, flowing. And, and um, so I'm thankful for that, uh, even though um, even though I have relatives who are on the other side of the political uh, fence who call him Ron Death Santis because they Oh, yeah. The face you're making is the face that we should all be making in our hearts, <sighs> because yes. that is just uh, but, uh, so ridiculous. Be, but but because he was uh, so willing to get us back to life mm -hmm. uh, during the pandemic. And and I think his handling of it is 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 part and parcel of why when I went by, I, I got to vote early this morning, but my mm -hmm. wife went by to vote and the and the line was wrapped around the building. And uh, so it, it's just amazing that uh i mean he, he got people out people wanted to make sure he was in for a second term yes and uh that's why i think that that double digit margin is is there yeah yeah it's a it's an utter blowout again i what i want to stress is that florida doesn't have elections like this donald trump won the state of florida by three percentage points in 2020 he won it by one percentage point in 2016 barack obama won it in 2012 by like two uh, he defeated John McCain in 08 by like four. Florida doesn't do, and every one of our Senate races, Rick Scott, Rick Scott's margin over Bill Nelson was 10,000 votes out of eight 
million cast. Um, let me let me say it this way: a twenty-point margin of victory is expected for a Republican governor in Oklahoma, Kansas, you know, Alabama, something like that. This is the strongest showing for a governor in Florida of either party, perhaps in the last 50 years, if not more than that. And when you consider how static Florida is, how much it really does not move with trends, you know, Ohio, for instance, Ohio voted for Barack Obama by like eight points, and then it voted for Donald Trump by eight points. I mean, it swung 16 points in four years. Um, Florida just doesn't do that. And so to see this is incredible. I, I'm very pleased with the result. Um, Charlie Crist is a political chameleon, and that's not necessarily, I mean, it's, people take that derogatorily, but he has, he has now completed a pantheon. Charlie Crist is now the only elect, or the only uh, uh, politician in Florida history to lose a statewide race as a Republican, an Independent, and a Democrat. He has now <laughs> completed the triple crown of losing, and so. Um, but he was the best candidate that could have been put forth. He kind of campaigned as sort of a moderate Democrat, you know. And hey, I'm good old Charlie. Remember me from 2010? And you know, you're more. Let's say DeSantis has sort of a firebrand style and sort of a confrontational style. So some of you are more like, well, let's just be nice to everybody kind of Republicans. You know, I thought they would I thought he would siphon off a good number of those. And I thought, you know, this would be six to eight point race, maybe 10, something like that. Um, I'm looking at the result now with 86 percent of the precincts reporting and the panhandle, which is very red and not completely reported in. DeSantis is up by 19 points right now. 1.4 million votes, and he won Miami-Dade County outright, which is that's unbelievable. That's when was, yeah. uh, you may or may not know this, has as a as a Republican presidential candidate won Miami-Dade uh, in in any of the recent elections? No, um, Donald Trump got it a bit closer. Uh, he happened to be very popular with Hispanics, um, which is I mean it's Miami-Dade County, so. But uh, no, Republican president has not won Miami-Dade County. I I know as far back as 2000, it had not happened. And I'm sure well before that as well. I just don't, I don't have the numbers on that. What do you think that this means uh, in regard to looking at 2024? Do you think, as, as I just noticed somebody on our, um, somebody, um, Stephen Barry, the gentleman I was talking about earlier, he said the red yeah. wave, red wave is strong in Florida tonight. Do you think that that has any um, bearing on 2024 for us or for the whole country? Do you think, or what are your thoughts on that? So 20, so 2024 is tough because you have this big giant uh, unknown called Donald Trump. Um, and Donald Trump is going to run for office. He's been hinting at it. He's been hinting at it. He said, big announcement coming next week. He was going to wait till after the midterms, because if you didn't, the Democrats would run on the plat on run against Donald Trump. And I tell you what, you want to turbocharge Democratic turnout in a year where they're kind of demoralized, then you put Donald Trump metaphorically on the ballot. Now, um, I liked a lot of the things President Trump did. I was very, he governed far more conservatively than I thought. I did not vote for him in 2016. I just filled the rest of the ballot out because I didn't know what I was going to be getting. Um, I enthusiastically did so in 2020 uh, because he governed so much more conservatively than I thought. His Supreme Court picks were excellent. The legislation he was trying to get through <clears throat> and his his cabinet regulatory stances were excellent. Um, but he's Trump. I mean, he just kind of says and does whatever he wants whenever he wants to. He has no discipline. 
Um, he took a swipe at DeSantis a couple of days ago for no particular tactical reason whatsoever. Yeah, um, what, was, what was that about? What did he, uh, he, he called him like uh, Ron De... De Sanctimonious. Yeah. Yeah. What, Which what... is not great. I mean, Trump's normally pretty good at Sleepy Joe and giving people nicknames. That one's kind of wasn't all that great. But yeah, so he was at a rally. Trump was and he was they put the results of some straw poll of if the Republican primary were held today, who would you vote for? And uh, he was at like 70 percent. And then he makes fun. He's like, and you got Ron DeSanctimonious down there at 12 or 10 or whatever it was. And uh, yeah, sure, whatever. Um, he He's threatened by DeSantis. He absolutely is, because DeSantis is a more conservative version of Donald Trump with competence, um, who does not have any major, you know, like major known public gaffes that people can really hang stuff on him. Um, he's a disciplined politician. He knows exactly what he's doing. I mean, he was the congressman in my district for a while um, before he was governor. And and the dude, the dude is a talented politician. That's normally an insult, but in this case, it is a compliment. Um, just mentioning something that came across. I am watching the comments, guys. Thanks, Stephen, for for uh, continuing to listen. He said, did y'all see the Jeff Durbin post he made today? And I just looked it up while you were talking. I was listening to you, but I was also, I'm multitasking here. I'm being a good host. Right. Uh, um, I want to, I do want to read this. Now this is from Arizona. So this is getting out of Florida politics for a sure. moment. Candy. Uh, this is from Jeff Durbin, who is pastor at Apologia Church. He said, Candy Durbin and I voted in Phoenix today. The ballot machines weren't working for half the people in line. They rejected them, including candies. And we were told to put her ballot in a special box to be counted later. Correct. Correct. There is shenaniganry afoot in Maricopa County. There is shenaniganry afoot. Um, you will remember that Donald Trump launched some of his most vicious and fearsome uh, accusations of voter fraud at Maricopa County, Maricopa County, Arizona, for the listener, is Metro Phoenix. It is the biggest mm -hmm. county in the entire state, and it is not particularly close. It's kind of like Manhattan Island of of Arizona. It has the majority of, maybe not the majority, but a plurality of the population there. Um, and 20 to 30 percent of Maricopa County's ballot counting machines uh, were malfunctioning. They had, They had a very expensive audit conducted by the state Senate um, between the 2020 election and now. They had widespread accusations of fraud. They really needed to show up tonight and say, we can competently run an election, and they have fallen flat on their faces. And that's a really big deal because there's an incredibly competitive Senate race out there between Blake Masters and Mark Kelly that could decide the fate of who holds the Senate, which is, outside of Governor DeSantis, the thing that I care about the most. Hmm. Um, the, uh, we have another gentleman who's posted on here. Justin Melvin has posted a, a, a comment saying that amendment two is looking to be rejected in Kentucky Correct. for us. And that, in that regards the right to abortion. Um, that was an amendment to the constitution to, uh, say that it does not include the right to abortion. That's and right. I just, just happened to pull it up while we were talking and it looks like that currently is sitting at a 55% 55.3% no vote. Correct. Yeah. And a 44.7% uh, yes vote. So uh, that that is that is quite disappointing. Yeah. So what has happened is that, and I think Republicans are going about this the wrong way, honestly. So Florida, for instance, has a right to privacy in its state constitution. 
And previous Florida Supreme Courts have interpreted that to protect the right to an abortion. Um, so Kentucky has a similar um, provision in its constitution guaranteeing the right to privacy and previous Kentucky Supreme Courts have held that that protects the right to an abortion. So to clarify that, what these amendments are trying to do is to say there is no right to abortion or any requirement to fund it in our state constitution, effectively overturning those Supreme Court interpretations of the privacy clause. It failed miserably in Kansas. It was it lost by like 20 points. Um, it's going to go down in Kentucky, it looks like, though there is still quite a bit of vote out there in many rural counties, which tend to tilt rather... Um, you know, in favor of that amendment, uh, have yet to report. Um, but yeah, Fayette County, which is, uh, and, and also, uh, Jefferson County, which is Louisville are mostly in. Um, so I would bet against that amendment, but it, uh, it may get, it may tighten up a little bit as more vote comes in, but very disappointing. And I agree, Justin, let us pray for repentance on that front. Yeah, absolutely. Um, going back to the, I, I just, you said something earlier and I, and I, I wanted to get to Justin's question, but I do have to go back in my, uh, in my mind, you said that, um, outside of the Florida races, the one in the one in, um, Arizona was the one you were concerned about the most. Is it, is it because of the alleged fraud and the, the belief of that there is fraud and, and you see, this is just a continuation of what happened in, in 2020. Uh, well, to, to clarify, I mean the Senate generally. So not, I mean, that particular race is very important. Um, let me actually pull this map up because I queued this stuff up. Let's see if I can do this here. That's right. You detect uh, te- romance or make it happen. Oh, all right. Yeah. So, um, so here is my Senate prediction before the vote started coming in. And I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to do this. So so you can tell what the colors mean for my prediction. Okay. So this is a color code safe, likely lean, tilt, and toss up. Those are terms I'm going to use safe, meaning safe Dem, safe Republican means it, I, I predicted that it would go to that candidate by 10 or more points. Likely is five to 10 lean is one to five tilt means it's within a point And I just had to make a call and then toss up means I couldn't decide. Um, so I'll put that up there every now and then just so you know, what those colors mean. Um, so uh, this is my prediction. So uh, the state of Florida, Marco Rubio winning by a safe margin, meaning 10 or more, and he certainly did. Um, the races which will cons- which will determine the fate of the Senate are here, okay? So I've already filled in a lot of assumptions that Tiffany Smiley is going to lose in Washington, that John O'Day is going to lose to uh, Michael Bennett in Colorado, But here are the races. You have Nevada, Arizona, uh, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Georgia, and technically New Hampshire. Um, And as you can see, because the vice president of the United States is Kamala Harris, and she is the tie-breaking vote in the Senate when it's 50-50, for Republicans to get control of the Senate, they need 51 seats. So on this map right here, they need to win four of the gray states that you see here. Now, uh, Ted Budd is like I had him at uh, uh, likely, or rather lean, lean to likely margin for him, meaning uh, you know somewhere around one to five, something like that. Um, so now they need three seats, and so that has to come from Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, New Hampshire, Nevada, Arizona, or Georgia. So the reason I said I care very much about the Georgia race is that in the Georgia race you have Mark Kelly versus uh, who's the Democrat versus Blake Masters. 
and it's it is looking like a a a tilt margin or toss up race. Um, it's very 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 close. And the problem for either party is that Nevada is within one point. Georgia is in polling, not in results, because those are coming in as we speak. But Nevada is within a point. Arizona is within a point. Georgia is within a point. Pennsylvania was within a point. New Hampshire was within a point. Wisconsin actually was. We'll go ahead and fill that one in. I think uh, I think Ron Johnson wins that one by four to six, somewhere around there. So, with that in mind, of base, assuming Wisconsin and North Carolina go the way I think they will, and the results coming in are suggesting that um, Republicans need to pick up two more seats. They need two out of the five that are gray, and Arizona is one of them. So that's why I care very much about Arizona. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, um, obviously, the Senate is very important, and that's going to have uh, uh, repercussions on a federal, national level. Yeah. Um, but what about going to Georgia very quickly? What's going on in the uh, the governor's race there? It has um, has I forget her name. Uh, Stacey Abrams is running against Brian Kemp. Um, the first votes that were reported out of Georgia were primarily from Fulton County and the surrounding counties, which is a heavily Democratic metro Atlanta area. Now, Stacey Abrams was ahead by quite a bit. You can see Brian Kemp is now ahead of her by about four points. Um, the polling suggested for Brian Kemp that he would win by somewhere around eight percentage points, something like that. Uh, there we go. By about yeah. eight percentage points total. Yeah, earlier um, to, earlier today you posted he's going to win by approximately all the points. By approximately all of the points. Well, I got to tell you. So you look at the um, uh, you look at the margins on Florida because Florida just resists not Senate. I don't want Senate because Florida resists swinging so hard. I actually saw a real case for Brian Kemp winning by a bigger margin than Ron DeSantis because I was thinking Kemp by eight, DeSantis by seven and change, something like that. Um, but it was not so. You look at the polls for DeSantis that if you, you know, it was looking around, well, yeah, current results plus 17, but it, it was looking around 10, 12. And I thought that was being a little optimistic. I thought maybe Republicans weren't going to do that great. Um, this was a real tell. This one right here, uh, this data for progress poll with a D, that means it was paid for by the Democrat Party. And they tend to go a little more uh, pleasing the people who who pay them. And even the Democrats' own pollster was saying DeSantis by 15. So when I saw that this morning, I was like, uh-oh, buckle up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, go so, ahead. So you don't see Abrams having really a chance? I think Abrams will do – this is the current result coming in live. Brian Kemp is up by about five percentage points with 59% in. I think Brian Kemp probably wins by eight. Um, he might get it all the way out to 10. That would be really nice to see. Because of this race, Raphael Warnock versus Herschel Walker, which is one of those crucial Senate races that's in gray. Um, the latest polls out of Georgia suggested that Herschel Walker might win by about a point if, if you know, but that's margin of error. Um, interestingly enough, for the football fans, Coach Dooley's death in Georgia, the last thing he did before he died was to cut an ad that ran for 10 days in support of Herschel Walker for Senate. Now, those outside the state of Georgia or the South generally do not understand how absolutely legendary Coach Dooley was in Georgia and college football is generally. Um, but there is a superstar celebrity effect that is absolutely in play. And Herschel Walker very well could walk away with this. Currently, he is down by about two percentage points to Warnock with 40% left to go, meaning that of that last 40, Herschel needs 21 and he's got it. 
So anybody's ball game, pardon the pun at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it, and that, that, that just, Oh, the, that's, that's concerning. Cause that's one of those five that we, you know, when I say we, I, and I, I don't think anybody would be surprised to know that obviously I'm pulling for uh, Republicans in this. And, uh, you know, when we say when I say we I'm speaking of that. Right. Um, the conservatives, Republicans. Um, yeah, we would need we want that Senate seat. And yes. uh, and, and it would it would uh, it seems it seems interesting, though, that 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 race is so tight when the um, the governor's race isn't. But yeah. It, and, and I did hear last week. Um, uh, uh, Dollar, uh, I think it was, I may be wrong. Somebody might correct me on this, but Creflo, I think it was Creflo Dollar had Stacey Abrams at his church. And he, and he, he, he said, uh, I just want to say to everybody how good it is to have governor Stacey Abrams. Doesn't that sound good? Everybody to be able to say that's that we're looking forward to be able to say governor Stacey Abrams. And she's smiling big old, you know, smile there in, in the front row and i just i was thinking and first of all if, when i first heard it i said did i miss the election is she already right, got, but, right. but he was like he was like we're practicing you know for what we're gonna call oh her my you goodness know? and um she was so on st- the new star trek whatever star trek discovery i have to pull this picture up they cast stacy abrams as the president of the universe like <laughs> she actually made a cameo in the star trek <laughs> show like whatever it was six months ago as literally the president of the entire universe so like okay this this will be the moment of the show that goes right before the introduction everybody knows i do those little (laughs) yep stacy abrams as the president of the universe uh absolutely they they are so angry about the 2018 election where brian kemp air quote cheated and suppress the vote. Um, by the way, denying election results is very, very bad. And I am told an incitement to violence. I am told that if you say that an election was not fair, then you're an evil, wicked, mean, nasty orange man who's evil, wicked, nasty, orange, mean, bad, and orange. And um, if you if you say such a thing, but Stacey Abrams has been going on declaring herself the rightful governor of Georgia for four years now. And in fact, the Democratic Governors Association, which is like the roundtable of all the Democratic governors that come together, they invited her to speak at the event and have a seat at the table as if she was a currently serving governor because she lost to Brian Kemp by two percentage points in a blue wave. 2018 was a very favorable electoral environment for Democrats. She's been basically claiming she's the rightful governor of Georgia. Star Trek casts her as the president of the universe. <laughs> I. I, I think I had heard that before you just said it, but the fact that you rem, you brought it to my I, I didn't know it was president of the universe, but that's I mean pretty much, yeah. That's my <laughs> new favorite title ever. Yep. <laughs> I mean, because yep. I've heard of like a Miss Universe contest, but never a president of the universe. Or whatever the whatever it is in Star. I'm sorry, I'm not a Star Trek person, the United Federation of Planets or whatever it was. She was the supreme thing with the stuff and whatever anyway uh yeah now so so (laughs) to that point though um i yeah so stacy abrams uh, i thought i honestly desantis's victory margin is the biggest shock of the night if if i had gone to sleep without looking at a single result and woke up and someone said hey desantis won by four i'd go okay not quite as good as i thought he was going to do but that's about right for a florida election 
19 percentage points. Yeah. So I'm still trying we... to wrap my head around that. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and again, though, I think it, I think it falls down to COVID changed the world. It and did. That's not, that's not an exaggeration. In fact, I remember, <clears throat> I think I've told the story before, but I'll tell it again. It's a good story. <laughs> I was, um, I, uh, we were doing some work at the church. Uh, mm-hmm. We were remodeling our sanctuary and it was, I think it was uh, March of 2020. Uh, in that when when COVID began it was March of 2020. Yes, they, yes, the that's, lockdowns, that's correct. Lockdowns mm-hmm. began. Well, we were we were doing construction work. Me and uh, Dan Kaysen, one of our church members, and uh, a couple of guys uh, were there helping us. And we had a scissor lift and we were up doing work. About lunchtime, I said, "Okay, guys, so we're going to hop in my truck and I'll take you down to Arby's, get you a sandwich, and sit down and chat for a little while." So we hop in the truck and we start driving, and, and I notice. There's not as many cars as normally on the road, like for noonday time. Right. I get, I get to Arby's and the, all the chairs are up on the table. It's noon on a, on a, on a, whatever Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever day it was. And I walk in and I said, what's going on? We came to have lunch. And they said, uh, they said, we just got told that we've gone into lockdown, no more eating in the restaurant. You know, you can order your food and take it to go, but you can't eat here. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking at my friend, Dan, and I said, I said, I said, this is, this is the strangest thing I've ever seen. And, and, and you know, my 40 years on this planet, um, this is going to change the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, little did I know what was about to happen. I mean, churches were going to, close and and businesses were going to close i mean we have friends i have friends in, in my church that are in companies that, that still work from home right know, they, they they realize that they can actually they can actually keep their employees functioning without <clears> having <throat> to keep giant buildings air conditioned all day so so now yep. they have they yep. um that you know a lot of people started working from home still work from home they just it was such a life such a world changing time you know truly and um and, and and having having Ron DeSantis be the governor during that time, I think it was it was one of the graces that we have as yeah. Floridians. And so many people moved here. I mean, the housing market blew up. Yes. And and it, part of that was because everybody was coming to Florida. We have so many people here from California and other places that that have moved because of the relative freedoms that we had that 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 many other states did not have. Yeah. yeah. Let me say something about, um, you know, about just electorally when people say, oh, you know, we don't want those California voters and we don't want those, you know, don't move, don't move down here from New Jersey and New York and turn it into, and turn it into your state or whatever. Okay. I, this myth really needs to die. Okay. Do you know who chooses to leave New York and move to Florida? People with conservative tendencies. That's yeah. who chooses to move. In fact, this is the, the case I will continue to shout from the rooftops. In Texas, in 2018, Senator Ted Cruz was running against a individual named Beto O'Rourke, which we won't just say anything more about that, but he is an individual who is not a very good individual. Um, go with that. Um, Ted Cruz won that race by only about two percentage points. Now, again, this is 2018. We call it a D plus nine year, meaning that um, 
54% of the electorate was Democrats and 45 was Republicans. So really, really, really bad year to be a Republican running for office, 2018 was. Um, so Ted Cruz wins the race nonetheless by two percentage points. They asked a question of people who voted. They said, here's, here's, they asked two questions. Have you moved to Texas, excuse me, have you lived in Texas for five or more years? That was the question. Then who did you vote for for the Senate? Okay. If you take away all of the people who had moved to Texas in the last five years, Beto O'Rourke would have won the race by 10 points. Wow. The native Texans voted for Beto O'Rourke, the Democrat, by 10 points. It was only because California and Oregon and Washington and Illinois and New York had been sending Texas their more conservative-leaning voters that Ted Cruz got to keep his Senate seat. So this idea about, oh, the New Jerseyans are going to move down here and they're going to vote for the same policies that ruin their state, da-da-da-da-da, that has happened exactly one time that we know of, and it has never happened again. And the one time that we think that it occurred was in Colorado. Um, you had uh, Colorado voted for George W. Bush in 2004, and it's been a blue state since then. Now, that's primarily due to uh, California migration. And so you say, well, why did it not work then? But it did, you know, well, because Colorado was sort of a centrist state at the time. It was not a strong Republican state. It had very low taxes. It had much cheaper land, cleaner air, all the things that someone leaving California would want. And it had very liberal cities like Boulder, um, Metro Denver is that way. And so a person moving from California that was very left-leaning could feel at home in Colorado, and then they did gradually turn it blue. It has never happened outside of that case. As far as I am aware, migration has not done that in, in any other state. Um, so don't don't worry about that uh, in Florida especially. The people coming down here that have moved, some of them from Canada, I know some living nearby that 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 became United States citizens to escape Justin Trudeau's pandemic policies. And they voted straight ticket Republican because they said, we want to vote for the guy who said no to all of this. And that's exactly what they've done. Yeah. Well, good. And, and again, I, I know that I've heard that uh, about the people moving and uh, it's interesting to get that. Let's kind of see some uh, data on that, get the, the sort of the light shed, on that uh, particular idea. And I, and I'll give you a thought. I know, I mean, we have people in our church, uh, our, our, our drummer uh, and our worship uh, band is um, they're from uh, California, him, him and his family. And they, they have said many times how thankful they are to be here because right. uh, they've been here for the last several years, how thankful they are to be here. And they still have family out there. And they said, it's just not, <laughs> yeah. I I've said, if I didn't live in Florida, I'd move here. I mean, seriously, like I, it used to be, Prior to COVID, okay, here's here's an interesting thing. I was, whoa, camera, focus, camera. There we go. All right. Um, I've said before, like I was in the, sh I was just in the shower, like, I don't know, a couple of days ago thinking about this and I, I shower every yeah, day, I was, just so I, we're clear. I, was, I, I shower every couple of days too. <laughs> I shower every day to be clear. Uh, a couple of days ago, while in the shower, you have those shower thoughts, right? And I was saying, I can probably name of the hundred men and women in the Senate, I can probably name 60 of them. And of the 50 governors, I can probably name 30. And that's not a brag. It's just when COVID happened and you started seeing what COVID did is it accelerated something called the big sort, where people started moving to where their policies and their particular vision of how America is supposed to work 
they started moving there. And this is actually a good thing. This is called federalism. Okay, Federalism is the idea that the United States federal government does very, very little because it turns out there's very, very little that you can get consensus from all Americans about. It's like coining money, national defense, interstate commerce. That's about it. Um, and all the policy decisions should be left up to the states. What is your general tax rate going to be? Are you going to have woke nonsense in your schools or not? You know, that kind of thing should be left up to the states. Well, what has happened is COVID really put a thumb, a thumb on the scale, uh, accelerating the big sort, and it forced people to make that choice uh, much sooner. So you're, what you're seeing is red states are becoming red or blue states are becoming bluer, generally speaking. Now, what has also happened, though, is that some have moved into the toss-up category. Nevada was never supposed to be competitive. Georgia was never supposed to be competitive. Um, that's Nevada has moved blue to center, and Georgia has moved red to center. So you're, you're seeing some of that happen as well. Um, I will say that, that, like I said, if I didn't live in Florida, I would move here. And that's a big thing for me to say because I have a church that I'm extremely invested in. I have a small business that I, I you know, by God's grace, built from the very ground up here that supports me and my family. I uh, all my family roots are in either Tallahassee or some up in Alabama, I guess. But I, I would I would give all of that up for a better quality of life. When you see some of this stuff about Chicago or San Francisco or whatever, if you lived in one of those areas, it would it, it would be like, yeah, we we have to go somewhere where our values are are actually supported, and that's what you're seeing people do a lot of. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and it kind of goes against the uh, the. <laughs> You, everybody knows the Florida man joke, like, right. like, like that everybody in Florida is, you know, wrestling an alligator and a pair of cutoff jeans, you know, while, well, while, while drinking an energy drink and, and, and only on weekends having, having a chew of tobacco right. in, their, in their mouth while drinking the energy drink and wrestling the alligator. I mean, we all have that, you know, Florida man joke. Right. And, and there are there are some truth. <laughs> yeah. There are there, there, just about every good news story that comes out it begins with Florida, Florida man, man does X and you know, whatever it is, X, Y, Z. So, yeah, it, but, but it is, it, it is as far as uh, the freedoms and things that, that, that we have and uh, the blessings that we have are, are wonderful here. It is, it is sad though. And, and I do want to talk about this. Um, I know we've we've kind of sung the praises of DeSantis and and, and talked about the good things. Uh, it is sad though that we are not where some other states are that had the automatic. Um, back when you, back when I had you on about this this the Supreme Court, we talked yeah, about. Yeah, I knew we get to this. The automatic um, when Roe was struck down, some of them went into automatic change. I, I don't know what it's called. I keep saying automatic. What's the word I'm looking They were for? called trigger laws. Trigger laws. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Which basically meant that as soon as, as soon as Roe versus Wade was, was repealed uh, or struck down, that that would trigger a law in their state to make abortion on demand illegal. Yes. And, and unfortunately that has not happened in Florida. Yeah. And um, as much as I really do appreciate Governor DeSantis, I don't see that being on his agenda. So right. what are what are your thoughts in regard to his position there? So Ron, um, Ron's a very talented politician, first of all. And this is where the religious and the political come together. So for the listener, I am unabashedly, unashamedly, 
un whatever else you want to say pro-life into the point of abolitionist on abortion. Okay. So that, that let me go ahead and put my bona fides out there. Um, that's where I'm at. Okay. The question is, how do you get there? Right. Because some, and I don't think you're making this point, Keith, but some would say, if you don't go from all of the abortions are legal to all of the abortions are illegal in one, in one law, then it's, what's the point, you know? And so why we, why even try? Well, um, Nazi Germany's concentration camps were liberated one camp at a time. We didn't say, oh, well, we can't get to Bergen-Belsen, Auschwitz, and, and whatever else all in one day in one operation. So I guess we just shouldn't even bother liberating concentration camps. Probably better to just let them be where they're at. You know, It took a strategy, a political strategy called incrementalism. Now, again, we are in politics we are not dealing with the personal heart of a person. If someone has a pornography problem, they watch it every day. I wouldn't say, well, let's try for six days instead of seven this week. Like I wouldn't, this is a different world. Okay. This is talking corporate, the body politic generally. What I would say is governor DeSantis is pursuing a policy called incrementalism, which is where you look at abortions and you look at where they generally take place and you start inching the line backwards on when an abortion is banned. He just signed a 15-week ban in this most recent legislative session. Uh, Governor Youngkin of Virginia proposed something similar. And Governor Youngkin straight up said this. He said, that appears to be about the average position of the average Virginia citizen. I will continue to push for more pro-life positions, but right now that's what I can get through the state house. And turns out that will save the lives of some babies. It will not save the lives of all of the babies, but if the choice is between that and doing nothing, I'm going to do that. But I'm not going to stop there. And the next legislative session, it'll be 12 weeks or eight weeks or six weeks or a heartbeat bill or something like that. So Governor DeSantis is going to pursue that. There are a and it'll actually depend a lot on how the state house and the state Senate elections uh, turn out. If the governor is winning by <laughs> 20 points now, um, <laughs> I really want I really want that to be right now it's 19.6. I really want it to hit 20 and it just might because Panhandle's got a few more. Anyway, if he's winning by those kinds of margins, we could see a veto-proof supermajority in the state legislature, and then you get to pass whatever you want to. Um, and if that's the case, you could get a 12-week and eight-week a heartbeat ban, something like that. Um, Charlie Crist ran on abortion. He literally made that the centerpiece of his campaign. I watched the debate between the two. The person said, you know. Because uh, congressman, or I don't know how he's referred to. Uh, what are you going to do to fight inflation? Thank you very much. That's an excellent question. But I'd like to set the stage on what matters tonight. My opponent here believes there should be no exceptions for abortion. And it's like, who, who are you even talking to? Like, what? <laughs> but that's what he ran on. And the voters of Florida rejected that message by a massive margin. Now, again, DeSantis is not running on a total abolition. And if he had been, he wouldn't have gotten the margin he got tonight. What does all this mean? It means that as Christians, when Israel was taking the promised land, they had to drop Jericho. Jericho was Roe v. Wade. Jericho has fallen. Now it's time to move step by step through the rest of the settlements and take them out. And if we don't, and we leave the Philistines, and we don't do what God said, that they will harass us throughout the rest of the Old Testament and will always be a problem. So it'll be, it'll be incremental. It'll take time. And yeah. last thing is Florida is a very, very, very new red state. Florida has been a red state for all of 17 seconds at this point. Okay. It was purple tilt DeSantis winning by 0.4 percentage points, Donald Trump winning by a point and then three points, Rick Scott eking it out by 0.1. I mean, there has never been the political willpower, capital or representation to do it. 
that is changing. And I expect that that will translate into abortion legislation coming very soon. And that goes back to something you said just a few minutes ago. And, and I know I'm just a lot of this, I'm just repeating things you've said, but um, the issue of the red states are getting redder, the blue states are getting bluer. Um, and, 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 and that's a thought I really hadn't considered, I, I guess, before you said it, just the idea that I think that I think there's there, there's some there, there's something to say for that, because I'll say this. I think that 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 and, and this is just my experience and this is just anecdotal. Yep. So what I'm about to say has no hard data. And so someone may come along and tell me I'm I'm. I'm incorrect and they may be able to prove me wrong. But what I have recognized in, in which is consistent with what you just said is it seems like the, the, the Christians I tend to be meeting tend to be more fired up than maybe I remember in my, my younger years as a minister. And even before I became a pastor and those who are opposed to Christianity seem to be more, fired up in that in that there seems to be a stronger polarization Mm -hmm. among people whereas um i i like when i was when i was in high school i mean we knew you know there were kids who went to church and you know most everybody sort of went to church but i don't remember there being you know apologetics arguments at lunch tables and conversations i mean there was one one or two kids i knew that were really into the rapture like that was mm-hmm, a big thing mm-hmm. the 90s were you know everybody was afraid that the you know if a blood moon would have occurred then we would all freaked out right oh like, boy yeah <laughs> yeah but 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 nowadays it's like it's like everything is so polarized and i don't know if that's a byproduct of social media if that and again everything gets blamed on social media nowadays but i do think that there could be a connection to people finding people like themselves and feeding off the energy of others and creating their um, their their echo chambers where you know they, they, they get louder and louder because they're all saying the same thing. Um, I don't know. Just just a thought I had when you said the red states are getting redder and the blue states are getting bluer. Is it possible that um, is it possible that that that's happening on a on a, on an individual level? that people are, people are getting more and more, like, I know my, I know my parents, man, they're, they're, you know, they, they, much more political now than they were when I was, when I was 15, 16 years old, you know, my dad never talked about Bill Clinton or any of that stuff. Right. But, you know, I mean, outside of the Monica Lewinsky scandal, you know, which was just a scandal for the whole nation, we never talked about any of this stuff, but now just the other day, my 77 year old father, and I were, were having a conversation and he mentioned, you know, the, 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 you know, well, I, I forget how he said it, but it was something to the effect of, uh, you know, uh, uh, well, as soon as, as soon as this thing turns red, things are going to start getting better. Yeah. You know, and that was, and that, you know, that was a sort of a, a simple way of saying, you know, the Republican Republicans are going to make it better. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me your thoughts. Give me your- <laughs> yeah. Um, are we getting more polarized? Um, it's kind of a hard question. I mean, so so one way I'll answer that is let's look at party platforms. So if you go back about 20 years and you say, so every every two years, every midterm, the Republicans and the Democrats put out a party platform, which is usually a very, very long document that no one ever actually reads. But anyway, it's a description of what are our views on taxation, immigration, the border, national defense, abortion, on and on and on and all the different issues. 
if you look at the 2002, 2000, 2004 Republican Party platform, it's basically identical to today, more or less. The the one exception would be Republicans sort of writ large have gotten a little more um, uh, a, a little more hardline on immigration. I would say there's a lot of sort of big business Republicans who wanted the cheap labor for their constituents and you know the um you know a lot of your walmart and type of stuff the big corporate donors so to speak wanted the cheap labor so they were a little more squishy on immigration but aside from immigration republicans are about the same and in fact have moved leftwards on some stuff the idea of a pro-gay marriage republican what 20 years 10 years ago Barack Obama ran in 2008 on a platform of traditional marriage and said there would never and should never be a day in which marriage should not be between a man and a woman. Barack Obama said that. Now, he's lying through his teeth. And he was a Democrat, which which is amazing because that that is that seems so recent. Yeah, that he was that was the platform even within the not the platform, but that was the position within the major Democrat candidate. Absolutely. He was. He ran on that. He said, I believe marriage should be between a man and a woman. Now, it turns out he probably didn't believe that. But the point is to win the Democratic nomination and then the presidency, that was the mood of the nation. That was the mood of the leftward of the two political parties, right? So that was only – 2008 was 14 years ago, okay? <laughs> so so I like – I got shoes older than that. Right. So <laughs> at this point, you know, it's, it's not so much that like – Okay, so here's I'm going to get my camera aligned here. So for the listener, sorry, I'm doing an illustration with my hands. So like here's the center, right? And so uh, and so the Republicans were kind of the center right party, and the Democrats were kind of the center left party. Goodness gracious, and that was about right under Bill Clinton. I mean, Bill Clinton was kind of a centrist Democrat, you know, like he had some some leftward ideas, but he worked with a Republican Congress under Newt Gingrich, and they passed legislation together and all kinds of other stuff like that. Um, and then the Republicans have largely sat still on policy changes. Again, they've gone more uh, leftist on marriage, which is the fundamental institution of society that God ordained um, the family is. And so they're, they've, they've given themselves a shaky foundation on that front. Um, they've moved a bit right on immigration, maybe. And their rhetoric has gotten a lot more combative. Someone like a DeSantis or a Matt Gates out of Florida's first district or Donald Trump, you know, there's a lot less of the country club kind of you know, sport coat and golf clubs, Republicans uh, aren't really running the thing anymore. So, so that you look at the democratic party though. Oh my goodness. I mean, on the issue of marriage, on the issue of taxation and healthcare, Obamacare was not a surefire thing in 09. And it was way watered down from what they wanted. Nowadays, they want taxpayer funded healthcare, abortion to the point of birth and by some state legislators and governors, even on on the delivery table later on, if you know a couple hours on, you decide, ah, eh, I changed my mind, then you know we'll just kind of take care of it for you. Um, yeah, yeah. Which, it's, uh, that who's that, that? They did the movie about the abortionist who would kill after the baby was born, Gosling. Uh, Herm, uh, Kermit Gosnell. Yeah. Gosnell. Yeah. yeah. And and I mean, he wouldn't be a criminal in some of these yep. states. Yep. Yeah. And I'm first off, like, bro, judgment day for you. Like, may you find the grace of Christ, because that is not going to be a great day for you. Um, you know, uh, yeah. anyway, so radical shift on that, um, let in all of the illegal immigrants again, regardless of what you think about immigration, it's a huge policy shift. It's just uh, tr- uh, transing the kids. I mean, transgenderism was not a thing 10 years ago in, in modern parlance, five years ago, even, 
uh, just all of this stuff, they've shifted drastically to the left. And so there is more polarization. The red states are getting redder because it's come as a response. And so conservatives used to have this government should stay out of everything and let people live their lives. And that was an idyllic vision. And it's great problem. When the other side has power, they will use it against you. And they have, and they do. And so Ron DeSantis is a new breed of Republican. And I don't mean to just sing his praises because there are others that, that do this as well that say, I have power. I'm going to use it to advocate for my vision of the world. Well, what if the other side gets power, does the same thing? They're already doing that. They're already doing that. We have already transgressed the boundary. Let's just, let's use the power we have. And so Ron DeSantis has gotten things like Parents' Bill of Rights, extra rights in education. We're not going to sexually indoctrinate kindergartners. We're not going to force people to get COVID shots, like all kinds of good stuff that some hand wringer Republicans were like, ooh, but what if they use their government power? The president of the United States attempted to use OSHA to force every single person who works in the United States to get a vaccine. And we're still hand wringing like, well, what if they use the power someday? Ship has sailed, man. Ship has sailed. We are lobbing bombs at each other, metaphorically, from, from foxholes at this point. We're not having tea together anymore. And it wasn't the right who started the fight. Yeah. It's 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 almost like, um, you know, it's it's almost like somebody read Romans one. Yeah. And they said, hey, you know, this part where it says uh, God gave them over to ba- to a debased mind. Let's see what that looks like in real life. I mean, it's like yeah. it's like yeah. it's, it's like, let's see exactly how crazy we can make our arguments. And, and um, here and here's yeah, the thing, here's the thing that really gets me. I know that you're not on TikTok because it is a it's Chinese spyware. Yeah, it is a uh, it is a dangerous uh, uh, Chinese spyware uh, Mm -hmm. app. So I don't recommend people have it. However, because I know people do have it, I do post videos on to uh, you mean this guy, you know, you know, a guy who has it. And you're just going to talk about him for a minute. Well, yeah. Uh, Well, he looks a lot like me. I see. Okay, And he's hilarious. Uh Um, His name is Medford, right? (laughs) Yes. Um, But, uh, you know. I sometimes when I'm, you know, I just happen to scroll through after I see, you know, I get my videos on there and, and then I, I scroll through to sort of look and, and when you post on there, it sort of, it sort of gives videos that are like yours. So, you know, I see other Christian guys on there. There's, there's some good guys on, on there that are doing some good things, you know, making res- apologetic videos and stuff. And that's good. But, but one of the things that I have come across is I have come across some uh, anti-Christian and anti-Republican TikToks. And um, sometimes it's good to listen to people who disagree with you. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, just like in apologetics or, or any other field, it's good to uh, consider what the other side says and not try to um, straw man their position, but actually listen to what they've said. And, and so everything I'm about to say is things that I have heard them say. Mm-hmm. And, and this is why I think the whole giving over to, do, to a debased mind is not um is is not an exaggeration uh one person said um the difference between the the republicans and democrats is democrats really care about people Mm -hmm. and republicans only care about property they don't Mm -hmm. give a d about people and this person was so sincere and and so wrong at the same time is that 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 the only that that only the Democrats care about people, mm-hmm. and 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 Republicans only care about property. Don't give a don't give a darn a about, hoot. 
about uh, yeah about people and and i just remember thinking this person this person first they had like thousands of likes thousands of oh yeah amen you know people you know you go down the comment section and you just see over and over and over and nobody dare question them because they're on the right side of history you know or maybe so to speak, the, yeah. the, the left side of history <laughs> but but it, i just remember thinking hearing that going um this is this is one it's not true and two it is it is this is how they see themselves which it gives again over to the debased mind Mm-hmm. How can you say that you love people, but you're for the murder of babies in the womb? That just does that, that, that does not comport. And what do mm-hmm. they say? Well, they're not people, but that's not the argument anymore. If you listen to some of the most the most common arguments among those who are supporting abortion is, yes, we understand it's people, but 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 their right to life does not supersede the right to freedom of the mother to take that life. And therefore, the mother should be free. I mean. It's just amazing to mm-hmm. me. And, and like I said, so many other things um, that, that I, that I went through. And, and like I said, I'm, I'm hearing people make, make arguments and I'm like, this is, this is a debased mind, mm-hmm. you know? Um, uh, of, of course, I, I don't know. I, maybe I'm sort of just droning on here. It just, it just doesn't, um, it seems to fit very well within that Romans one category. Well, you have to ask, and I, one of the most depressing sermons I ever heard was John MacArthur preaching Romans 1, and he was saying, like, you know, the United States is being given over to judgment, like it's done, we're, we're sunk, you know, and I'm not sure I necessarily agreed completely, but he was just laying out all of the symptoms and the warning signs, this is a sermon from like eight years ago, and I, we've gotten crazier since then, so he's proven a little prescient on that, but yeah, I mean, to be given over to a mind that cannot logically think is a an act of judgment from god um it's a righteous judgment all of his judgments always are um but it is a very it's a fearful judgment um when that happens um i'll say this at least on you know i'm not saying that all people who vote different than me are stupid crazy people um i think many of them are honestly confused i think my my dearly departed grandmother was a democrat voter forever essentially southern democrat that's just how it was and you know through the de- depressions when she grew up um but then in, after that there was just what she said is the republicans are the bunch of fat cat oil execs and the dems are the ones trying to vote for welfare for poor people and so i want to vote for the party that cares for poor people and like if that's all the data that you're working on then yeah sure i get you know it makes sense but but um and i don't think my grandmother had a depraved mind or anything she knew the lord um i think she she didn't apply some of those principles consistently, but I still loved her to death. And we still ate at the Thanksgiving table together. And you don't, you don't have to, you didn't have to get into all that. And I still think you don't. Um, I do business with people that have the opposite political candidate sign in their front yard. Okay. Like, yeah. okay, fine. So what, you know, I, that's fine with me. I, I don't have any problem with that. Um, when you start saying, I'm going to use the power of the state to take your children away if you do not teach them in this particular manner, then we have an issue. Um, there's this meme that I, I made actually today where it's there's a, a Time Magazine article that said um, a majority of American parents want to be able to opt their children out of content, the educational content they disagree with. And then it said at the end, that is terrifying. And so it was the Bane meme for the on the plane where the guy's like, that's terrifying. You want to opt your kids out of, out of content you don't agree with. And Bane says, 
for you. Yeah, it's ter- <laughs> terrifying for you. Yeah. Yeah, you can't indoctrinate the children anymore. And, you know, so um, one is other it, note is on it, that is watch carefully for the side, stop saying children and start saying young people. Be very careful with that because that is a language choice and it is a choice. It is not accidental. When you start hearing young people, that's so they can blur the line from 18 down to 15, down to 14 for all sorts of unmentionably evil things. So children are children. They are not young people. Watch out for that one. Well, that 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 what you just said about your grandmother leads me to another question. And uh, uh, we are we, we're just past an hour mark here. We're going to we're probably going to wrap up soon. But um, yep. I do want to ask this question. And I'm not. I'm not attempting to put you on the spot because I'm going to say this is going to kind of put me in a peculiar position as well, because I know that this is a, um, this is, this is a, this is an argument that people have and, Mm -hmm. and there are, and, and I, I didn't ask you beforehand, so I have no idea how you're going to answer this, but I will, I'm going to let you go first. Mm -hmm. Uh, that way all the guns will be trained at you (laughs) naturally. Yeah. No, no, no. You're, you're the guest. So you have to take the, uh, you you take the shots. Okay. So, so I have heard more recently than ever before. People say, um, you cannot be a Christian and vote Democrat. Mm -hmm. And I, I I just want to know how you respond. If you hear someone say that, and then I'm going to, I, I'm going to give my thought uh, on it, uh, because I, I do think that's it's a very common thing, and obviously, you bringing up your grandmother is a, is a good example of how, you know, the universality of that statement I think is hard to make. But but go ahead and what are your thoughts when you hear someone say that, and how do you respond, or do you respond? Yeah. Um, how do I respond? Well, part of the part of the problem responding biblically to that is that the Bible didn't have democratic elections. I mean, there was a king, or there was Caesar, and that was kind of it. I mean, like you know. People weren't choosing their leaders. Um, so it's a bit challenging on that front. What I what I would say is to label one party or the other party, the devil party or the Jesus party, is probably not helpful. Um, if we wanted to talk about Donald Trump for a while, we could come up with plenty of, of character failings of his. Um, and yet still say at the end of the day, if it was between him and another person, we might vote for Donald Trump. I mean, that's the thing that could happen. Yeah. Um, I do like to remind people that he did court the LGBT movement several times. Uh, he did, even, even to the point of holding up the the rainbow flag, you know, to in support of them. So, I mean, you know, he uh, he also nominated uh, Rick Grinnell as the director of national intelligence, which was the first ever openly gay uh, cabinet member in the history of the United States. So, also, I don't know if you saw this, and I'll get back to your question in just a second. I'm sorry, but Donald Trump went on stage at his rally. Did you see who came and prayed for him? Uh, no, I know Paula White was supposed to be his pastor. The the infamous Lord of the Prosperity Gospel himself, Kenneth Copeland, came out and prayed oh, for this Donald was, Trump. This was the last. Yeah, I, I did yeah. hear. I did hear uh, the, the the that man's face is shaped like a devil. I just it is get over that. Yeah. Do Do you know now? DeSantis had another rally, and again, I think to the listener, I'm I'm saying intermingling this stuff can get icky sometimes. I'm not saying that I this was necessarily great from all angles, but I'm just drawing a contrast. Do you know who was on the stage praying for Ron DeSantis? Tom Askell. Really? Yeah. Wow. Now again, again, if you're using an evangelical Christian, if Copeland even deserves the name, 
um, as a prop, that's not good. But if you are going to do that and demonstrate that you come from a Judeo-Christian bona fides or whatever, and you pick Tom Askell, that's a much better choice, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. So anyways, uh, you cannot be a Christian and vote Democrat. Well, it depends on information, I would say. It depends on how much you know. Um, Jesus, parable of the talents, he judges, the judgment comes based upon what was given, um, how much light you were given. You know, our judgment will be much more severe than the first century Christian who had a scrap of Philippians and that's it, you know, uh, as we talked about in our Bible podcast. What I would say is that if you if you truly if if you truly claim Christ as Lord of your life and claim that Christ is the Lord of the world and the Lord of the universe and that all authority on heaven and earth has been given to him and that he gets to define right and wrong in direct defiance of what happened in Genesis three, then um, it is your duty to seek justice and love mercy and walk humbly with your God and to do the best that you can to affect justice in all aspects that you can. If you have a choice, forget about parties for a minute. If you have a choice between two people, okay, just two humans, Jim and, and Sally on the ballot, and Jim, you don't particularly like his tax policy, but Sally is in favor of a nine-month-old getting stabbed in the head with a pair of scissors and then removed forcibly or killed on an operating room table. And Sally is so deluded to the point where she would call that women's health care um, and, and cannot and will not hear otherwise, or her, her soul is, is, uh, is uh, what's the word, like cauterized to the point, seared, that's the biblical term, seared to the point where you can't get through to that. You have to understand you are voting for someone who has no moral groundings whatsoever. The fundamental link between morality, which is life. Life is the thing. God is pro-life, not just in abortion, but God is, is in favor of life. And a political candidate who does not agree with that and believes that it is health care in order to do that, that we can take an eight-year-old or a 10-year-old or a 12-year-old and give them opposite sex hormones, destroy their ability to ever have life. Satan loves that. Satan hates babies. He hates humans fulfilling the creative mandate that we were given to multiply, be fruitful, fill the earth and subdue it. And any candidate that is going to, with a straight face, tell you that this is transgender health care or this is women's health care to commit these barbarous, horrific acts that Jeremiah in the Valley of Tophet would have raised his eyebrows at. And then say, you should still vote for me because I'm going to tax the rich people and give it to poor people. Therefore, you're being compassionate. I don't understand how you square that circle. Now, the thing is, most people don't study this to this point, and maybe they should, but most people have no idea that Abigail Spanberger is running in Virginia's 7th district. I understand that. I get it. To the, to the person who just innocently watches the evening news and goes and watches, I think you need to inform yourself more, but if it's an uninformed choice and the Republican's a guy that you know has cheated on his wife eight times and the Democrat shook your hand at an event and seems like a generally nice guy, and that's the criteria you make your vote on, then the judgment, I don't think it's that severe for you. Like my, my, uh, uh, me wanting to criticize you is not all that strong. But if you fully know, if you have full knowledge of what's going on and you're just going to whistle past the graveyard, um, then I would say you are in a, you are in a grave state of, of sin and you need to repent. That does not mean go and vote for the Republican. It might mean don't vote. 
That's an option. That's a thing that you can do. But to vote for someone knowingly who defies the word of God in all of those ways, I, I would have a problem with that. Okay. I, I, I think that was very, very well uh, articulated. And Thank you. I, I would agree with what you said. I'm going to add my thought because I said I would go second. I, and, I, and I don't want to just say ditto. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> um, not, not that it, I would disagree with you. I, I, I do agree with you, but I, I, I'm going to add a, I'm going to add just an additional thought. Sure. Because again, I, I do have these conversations and I have had people say, you know, I, I don't think a Christian can vote Democrat. And um, this, this is the, this is the, the point that I think um, so many of us are, are on and you, you, you articulated it. And that is, and that is at this point, we are almost down to a single issue, um, even though we, we, we could say transgenderism, homosexual marriage, things like that are issues. The, the, the abortion issue is still the issue for so many people. And that's where I have the hardest time because it's not as if it's, it's not as if people don't know. Uh, I saw Stacey Abrams, again, president of the universe, <laughs> ever, she will never not be the president of the universe in my, yep. in my, in my mind now. There you go. Uh, this, the all hail. Yeah. All hail the president of the universe. She spoke at a church about how she was raised by, and I think she said her mom and dad were pastors. I don't remember uh, exactly, but basically she said that, you know, raised in church and, 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 you know, um, that, um, she was taught that abortion was wrong, but when she went to college, she, she learned different and now she believes that it's right. And so that's where I think that, you know, my heart breaks. I, I, I know that there are those in the democratic party who oppose abortion. Mm-hmm. There is a, maybe like six people total. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. That was, I interrupted your thought. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. You're, 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 you're probably right. But I, I remember specifically the lady who stood up at a, at a, I don't remember if it was Joe Biden or if it was Beto O'Rourke, it was somebody who stood up and asked the question, you know, what, what are your, you know, will you support us or our, our cause or whatever, you know, we're Democrats and they base and the, and the person said, you know, we don't want you. You base, basically, you you know you're 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 not on our side. You know you 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 say you're a Democrat, but you're really not. So, in that moment, whoever it was, and I do think it in my heart, I think it was Biden. But I, again, I, do you know what I'm talking about? Do you remember this? This? Yes, I do. Um, I'm gonna have to look it up. Go maybe, keep going. Maybe find it. Maybe somebody in the comments can can let me know. But I just remember saying that's it. She nailed it because th- that's the issue. Um. If you have a D in your in your religious, um, you know, or, or, or your your political background, if if you um, uh, you know, if you if you put, you know, that you're a Democrat, you are at that moment essentially supporting the murder of children, and and that that's where so many of us would have a difficult time squaring that with with, with Christianity. So again, like I said, I'm not really saying anything different than what you said. I I just, I I guess I'm just maybe for me, it's over. It's, it's just so simple. 
it's yeah that is it and i know it's not the only cause and people say well the republicans aren't getting rid of it either and that's that's i guess the probably the best argument against that is to say well the republicans aren't aren't moving the needle either but 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 they but as we talked about in our supreme court conversation when we talked about roe versus wade we did move the needle roe versus jericho has fallen yeah yeah so so it did happen to me that's like saying well you know yeah Saul's pretty bad, but David has his faults too. I mean, David's not perfect either. Well, yeah, but one of them's a madman and the other one is the anointed king of Israel. And no, I am not saying that a presidential <laughs> candidate is the anointed king of Israel. Don't go there. But but we have to make comparisons. We have to make choices. We have to say this is better than that. And uh, this is one of my favorite quotes, and I post it every time there's an election coming up, okay? A vote is a chess move, not a love letter, Okay. Every single election ever is voting against the choice. Uh, you're voting for the lesser of two evils. Keith, if I offer you um, a hamburger or a hot dog for lunch, you do not perfectly love hamburgers and you do not perfectly love hot dogs. You might like one a lot and one a bit less, but you do not have perfect love for either one of those. They do not 100% satisfy your soul, a hamburger or a hot dog. So in essence, if I ask which one do you pick, you are picking the one that will dissatisfy you less. Every single election is voting for the lesser of two evils. And so when when people say, uh, get really bent out of shape about this, I'm like, look, I mean, you're never going to have a perfect candidate unless you're running, and I might even vote against myself sometimes. I don't know. Um, so uh, we have we have to be a little bit pragmatic. We have to be the one standing athwart history as the church, as the oracle, saying we do not accept that this is where this ends. The people who dusted their hands off after Roe, even though the opinion specifically said we now return this issue to the state, so fight it out in your legislatures. The people who just said, well, job's finished. No, 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 it's not. And once abortion, God willing, is outlawed in all 50 states, there will be other instances of injustice that the church must continue to fight. And that will never end as long until Christ returns. That will never end. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so um, when we, I guess, to finish out the, the question on my side, when we consider if somebody were to tell me, well, you know, I'm a Democrat and, I, and I'm a Christian, th- that would be my first question to that person. Yeah, that would be how, how in the world can you support the, um, the continual murder of of babies. And, uh-huh. you know, I, I, I've just have never had an answer that was anything outside of unsatisfactory because there's just no good reason to, uh, to murder a baby in the womb. So there was a, um, one more thing just for you. There was a, an instance where in the house of representatives, right, they're debating something called the equality act, which would just completely destroy the civil rights act by adding gender identity and gender expression into the civil rights act of 1965. And so you cannot discriminate on that basis. So someone pretends that they are a man or a woman or whatever, or a Apache attack helicopter, you cannot, you cannot discriminate on that basis. And a Republican congressman actually had the, the temerity, the equipment below deck, shall we say, (laughs) to stand there in front of the microphone and say, this is not how God made man and women, or this is not how God made man and woman. God made them male and female. Jesus affirmed this. This is an affront to God's law. This is an affront to the image of God. It's a dreadful, like just right out of like right out of the Bible, like was not afraid to just say it from the house floor. 
And, you know, the presiding officer was a guy named Jerry Nadler out of uh, New York. He is the I think the Democratic. It's not the he's not the speaker and he, he may I don't even think he's the House Majority Leader later. I think he's maybe the number three Democrat. He gets on the mic from his presiding office. He's, he's serving as the Speaker of the House that day. And he says. Whatever uh, he says, the will of God is of no concern to this chamber. Moving on. Mm. Man, again, you speaking from that position of power, you want to say that and you want to deal with the day that is coming again. May the blood of Christ cover you, my friend, because that will be the only thing that can save you from something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, brother, I think that's a good place for us to draw this to a close. That was a very good uh, analysis that you gave us. And as always, I'm so grateful for your insights when it comes to politics and uh, all things surrounding politics and weather. Um, you are, you are my man. You're my, thank you. You're my personal weatherman. There's a song. You ever seen the movie Groundhog Day? Yes. Yes. There's a song called Weatherman. It's in Groundhog Day. Uh-huh. I, just want, I just want you to know that's dedicated to you, my friend. Well, you're thank my, you. I appreciate my, you're that. My, you're my weatherman. And so I appreciate you. Should we batten down the hatches or you think anything's going to happen with this storm? Um, tropical storm force winds are expected to arrive in our area Thursday at 8 a.m. And we have about a 70% chance of that. That's one minute average, 39 miles an hour. Um, I wouldn't plan to do much Thursday, but is it going to be apocalyptic? No, no, I think we're fine. Gotcha. All right, my friend. Well, again, thank you so much for being on the program and thank you listener as always for being a part of the show. Hopefully you were inspired, encouraged, enlightened, and instructed. Uh, That was, that was new. (laughs) There you go. It was a nice, nice roll up there. I like it. I like it. Um, but I do want to thank you again. And if you have an idea for a future show that you would like for me to address, maybe have Matt back on, maybe have Matthew uh, and Jake and Uncle Richard on one day. Yes. If you'd like for us to to deal with a subject, please send it to me at calvinistpodcast at gmail.com. You can find all of our shows at calvinistpodcast.com. And of course, if you like to listen uh, to watch the show, you can watch it on youtube.com slash conversations with a Calvinist. So again, thank you for listening to conversations with a Calvinist. My name is Keith Foskey. And as always, I've been your Calvinist. May God bless you.